So my friend Cecilia is amazing. Many of you already know Cecilia. If you see her here greeting you in the mornings, handing out bulletins, uh, sharing her services in many different ways here at the chapel. And Cecilia recently attended a nine-day training on organizational leadership in Washington, D.C. Uh, in fact, we were so excited about the possibilities that this held for Cecilia and all of the volunteer work that she does and her work uh, here in Aspen that we, our outreach committee here at the chapel, offered to pay for some of the fees for her to attend this amazing uh, training. And that's how much we believed in her and her ability to make something great out of this experience. But I have Cecilia's permission to share with you what happened next. Upon arriving at the conference, checking into her hotel room, she, along with about 80 other people from all over the United States, were excited and nervous, and they all gathered, ready to start the training. Cecilia spent one full day of learning with these people, and she panicked. Cecilia told me later that she went back to her hotel room and quietly started packing her bag. She said that there was no way she belonged there. She said she couldn't believe that she could do it. Everyone else had so much more experience, she said. They were already leaders and influential in their communities. They had more education and more proficiency than she did. She said, what was I even thinking? She chastised herself. So she called it quits. She didn't tell her roommate at the hotel because she was afraid the woman would try to talk her out of leaving. So she just quietly committed that the next morning she was going to pack her bag, check herself out of the hotel, call a cab, change her flight at the airport, and come home. Except she didn't. And when I asked her what happened to make her stay, she said, because, Sharla, so many people were counting on me. I just had to show up, even if I didn't think I was enough. Now, I don't think you'll be surprised to know that Cecilia stayed the full nine days. She came back absolutely transformed by the experience. I invite you to talk to her about it. She just glows when she describes what, how that week was for her. She's so on fire for the impact that she can make, that she's already making in this community. And she's both humbled and excited about what transpired. And I bet that some of you can relate to that feeling. I know I can. We're like the disciples when Jesus said to them, buy some bread for the people to eat. And the disciples go, no, no, no. We can't feed this entire crowd. We don't have enough. We can't buy. We would never have enough money to buy food for all these people. And if we did have food, there's too many of them. It would never go around. And besides, it's getting really late, Jesus. An excuse after excuse. Until finally, finally we say, well, okay, it's not much. It's something, but it's probably nothing. But there's a boy here and he's got some bread. And I don't, maybe, it, here. Right? And before you can say, who, me? Jesus has turned your nothingness into something. Meryl Streep, the most recognized actress in history, I think, the most um, nominated, at least, if not the most awarded, 
said in an interview not long ago that at the start of each new movie, she thinks, why would anyone want to see me in a movie again? And I can't act anyway. What am I even doing? Call it the imposter syndrome. Call it low self-esteem. Call it a healthy sense of awareness or knowing your own limitations. Whatever you call it, we all know that feeling, that sense that I can't possibly do this. I'm just little old me. Who am I to be leading a movement? Who am I to be taking on this big project? Who am I to be starting a business, running for Congress, making some radical shift for my family, moving to a new country, adopting kids, preaching? Who am I to be tending to the massive needs of the world? Who am I to fill in the blank? Well, as Marianne Williamson says, who are you not to be? I believe we are meant to do things greater than we can even imagine ourselves capable of, but not on our own. In fact, today's reading reminds me that I am not enough. And that's actually good news. Yes, there is a world of hurt out there. There are people who are hungry and hurting and shattered in ways that we don't even know how to begin to help them. And our own tendency is to do what the disciples did and to say, Jesus, it would cost a fortune to feed these people. Or it would take an army to accomplish that. Or I'm just one person. How can I possibly have an impact halfway around the world? But let's take another look at what happened on that grassy hill so many years ago. In short, the disciples came to Jesus with what they had. Andrew, in the midst of his own skepticism, is probably thinking, well, here goes nothing. But he says, he says to Jesus, there's this boy who happens to have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, if I'm Andrew, I'm probably also thinking, and by the way, Jesus, five loaves and two fish is probably just about enough for you and me and the disciples. But regardless of his own skepticism or misgivings, he offers up something. Even though Andrew thinks that it's probably nothing, most certainly not enough, not by a long shot, and Jesus immediately says, have the people sit down and relax. The story of the loaves and the fish is the only miracle that uh, uh, appears in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in some of them it, it appears twice, which gives us some sense of the significance of this miracle. And in the Gospel of Mark, Mark actually describes how Jesus not only told the people to sit down, but he organized them in rows, groups of 50 to 100. So Jesus organized them. And then he put the disciples to work, making announcements, giving instructions to the crowd. And then Jesus takes the bread, blesses it, breaks it, and gives it to the disciples to give to the people. Is all of this sounding familiar? It should. It's our liturgy. Liturgy literally means the work of the people. 
In fact, in our Christian churches, liturgy means the participation of the people for the work of God. Okay, so hold on to that for just a minute because there's one more thing I want to explore. The scripture says that the men reclined, all 5,000 of them. No mention of women or children. Yet, in one of those other gospels, it does say there was a crowd of 5,000 not counting women and children. So, if we count the women and the children, and I say, what the heck, let's throw caution to the wind and just count all people, shall we? So if we're to count the women and the children, the number of people there that day to witness this miracle is more probably in the lines of 15 to 20 to 25,000 people. That is a huge crowd that day. And there's something else. Knowing that women then are not so different from women today, there is a very strong likelihood that the women in the crowd showed up with provisions. Because women you know that if women and children are headed out to run errands or go shopping or go to the park or the babysitters, they have food. They bring diapers, toys, snacks, bottles of water, frisbees, iPads, whatever it is that they need to get through the day. Admit it, how many of you right now have a little food or some water in your bags? I know you women. So we know that the women carried bags or baskets that day filled with jugs of water or skins with water in it. They had fruit. They had snacks, nuts maybe, some fish, some bread. Scripture tells us everyone was satisfied. The disciples must have been shocked by that, overjoyed and elated, surprised, confused, bewildered, and probably at a loss to explain how 25,000 people were fed. What happened? Well, as one author puts it, perhaps with the help of the Spirit, Jesus took the food he was presented, he gave it to the disciples generously, and then the crowd saw what they were doing and brought forth what they had, their own food and supplies, and shared them with those who didn't have anything or didn't have enough. Perhaps that's one explanation. What we know for sure is that everyone was satisfied. There was enough for everyone's need. Not only that, but the fragments left over when gathered up at the end filled 12 baskets. For those of you this morning who might be feeling empty or unworthy or never enough, I want you to hear that. When you show up offering your very self as is, what little you may think you have, God makes it grow. You are already infinitely worthy in the eyes of the creator. So not only will you be enough, there will be leftovers to be used again and again. Perhaps the miracle that day was both and. Jesus fed the crowd of 5,000, not counting women and children, and the people, all of them, all shapes, all sizes, all genders, all ages, the people see and trust 
and hope and risk and share with one another until all are satisfied. The miracle of being fed happens to us both individually and collectively. Last week, I had the opportunity to visit with someone from the Red Cross Workers Station at the Lake Christine Fire in Elgebel. She shared with me, which many of you have heard or experienced for yourselves in the past couple of weeks, that the outpouring of support and care for the firefighters and the emergency responders was beyond anything that the Red Cross has seen. They had more offers of food than they could handle. They had people bringing their children by with gifts and cards for the firefighters. There were parades and banners on Main Street. There was spontaneous applause when you have dinner downtown Basalt if the hot shots happen to drive by. RAFTA offered to take evacuees and their families on buses free of charge. Grocery gift cards were handed out to all evacuees thanks to local organizations who made that possible. The art base in Basalt went to the evacuation centers and did art projects with kids to help them pass the time. The Theater Aspen donated a portion of their sales to the recovery efforts. Retailers uh, offered everything from free socks to groceries for firefighters and evacuees. And people even made food and brought it here to Snowmass Chapel for our picnic just to be of service. The Red Cross and other evacuation personnel were overwhelmed by the care of this Roaring Fork community. God takes our reluctant gifts, our nothingness, blesses it, and gives it to those in need. In fact, nothingness is God's favorite word to work with. It's his favorite thing to work with. God created the universe out of nothing. God took the barren womb of Sarah and created a nation. God took five loaves of bread and fed multitudes. From nothingness, from scarcity, comes God's abundance. It's a new way of being in the world. It's a new kingdom which God is showing us all. And on that day, on that grassy hill, the people immediately wanted to be part of it. Our task is simple. Recognize the needs of the world. Recognize the need in ourselves and bring what little we can offer to God. And you never have to worry. What you have is enough because it was never all there was anyway. Discipleship is about risk. It's about letting go of what we think should or shouldn't happen letting go of small-mindedness, scarcity thinking, incapacity, worry, self-esteem, self-admonishment, belittling, letting go of all of that and instead moving toward others, moving in the world and giving generously whatever it is we do have. Discipleship says, I am not enough, but you are God. Let's do this. It says, I feel totally out of my league here, but something has to be done and somebody's got to do it. So fill me with your spirit, Lord. Discipleship 
doesn't require you to get out of your comfort zone, but it invites you to. It invites you to lean into knowing that God is with you and that whatever you lack, God will make up for in multitudes. Imagine what the world will look like, what the kingdom will be like when we all choose to show up exactly as we are, knowing it's God who completes us. I invite you to pray with me about that right now.